Real quick before we start the show, just wanted to let you guys know you can get the show two days early by joining our Patreon. Even for a buck, you can listen to the show two days early. Go to patreon.com slash analog talk and we got a bunch of stuff over there. Check it out and uh, yeah, enjoy the episode. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of Analog Talk, a film photography podcast. I'm your host, Chris. I'm Tim. And today on our show, we have Benj Heish. Hi, Benj. Hello, hello. Thank you, thank you, thank you for joining us. We have a lot to talk about, obviously. But before we do, do you mind giving us a background on who you are and how you got into photography? Sure. Yeah, yeah. So um, I am a wedding and elopement photographer uh, based in the Pacific Northwest. Lived here all my life. And my mm. and oddly enough, like my uncle will probably get into it a little bit with getting nerdy about cameras and stuff. But my uncle and my dad were really into photography until they had kids. So as soon as like, <laughs> what? That's the opposite usually. I know, right? Well, now, especially with like every like momographer now becomes a photographer because they had uh-huh, kids, right? Uh-huh. Yes. Yeah, yes. it was the opposite. Like they just, you know, you have kids if you, you know, a, you Chris, busy, you have kid yeah. or a kid, right? So yeah. you get busy, right? But, yeah. So they uh, ditched their hobby. And then, uh, yeah, so I, I grew up knowing about their cameras and seeing them and stuff, but we never really used them. We just used, you know, good old janky point and shoot cameras and everything like that, like everybody mm-hmm. else. Yeah. But then I always I loved music. So that was like my thing. That My first kind of like artistic thing was uh you know, loving playing guitar and drums and being in bands and all that kind of stuff. So I definitely kind of had this shift of, I guess, moving towards art and uh, music. And I do, I do remember walking by the classroom in my high school and seeing all the the photography projects that the kids were doing. Oh um, yeah, I guess my peers at the time, <laughs> and uh, being like, I could, I could do better than that. <laughs> <laughs> like just being a total jerk and being like, these aren't, these aren't very good, <laughs> and and kind of being like annoyed by the whole thing. Uh, but my first camera that I remember taking a photo with actually came with a uh, floppy drive. So. Yeah. My dad was an electrical contractor and had it for like work projects or whatever. So I took photos of my band with a camera that uh, had a floppy drive in it. So there was that. (laughs) I graduated high school, wanted to uh, do music stuff and then uh, did kind of like didn't know what I wanted to do with my life. And so I took a trip to India uh, and spent three months there just kind of like vagabonding around i know and i haven't been back since so it's very very sad but i was like all right i'm gonna i'm gonna go there i needed something to remember this by i'm gonna buy a camera and so i bought this uh fujifilm e550 little digicam in 2005 2004 late 2004 i think took that there had less than a gig of memory yeah (laughs) so it was constantly like deleting photos the entire time yeah Uh, and i yeah was just it was it was a good experience obviously having a camera that whole time and i just every day took photos and uh was a way to help me remember that trip and obviously just seeing things every single day that i'd never seen in my life before then when i got back from that um started just kind of like getting more into photography and the next trip I took I was like I need to get like a real camera mm. and to me real camera meant going to Costco and buying a rebel yeah right? yes. yep, yep. that tracks yes, the rebel and then, it, and then <laughs> at that point yep that checks I think that's like a lot of people's at least you know older uh people that have been doing photography for a while that's an origin story mm-hmm. of theirs. and then posted those photos just on Facebook of Europe and stuff and then a uh, kind of friend of a friend just said like hey my sister's getting married and like a couple days and their wedding photographer bailed on them what you're the only person that we know that owns that owns a camera oh my god no way so so my entire career was launched by someone on craigslist uh bailing on somebody else oh and then me being the only person that these people knew that owned a camera and i had never been to a wedding before uh (laughs) other than i went to i was the ring bearer when i was two for my uncle oh man me too i went to my first grade teacher's wedding 
uh, because my mom became friends with her. Aww. And fun story with that, uh, I caught I caught the garter in that <laughs> because I thought it was just like a sport. So I was like boxing kids out and stuff. Yeah. And it was like nice. one of those things where it kind of fell short as it usually does. So I dove for it. Yeah. I was Aww. so stoked. And then all the other kids made fun of me because they said I had to get married next. So yeah. <laughs> my wedding experience up to that point was very uh, on the low. <laughs> had no yes. idea what it was doing. Um, but they just said like, hey, listen, we can either pay you $500 or we can spend $500 to buy a camera for ourselves to use. Huh. And then yeah. we're going to have to be the one to do it. Right. So I said, sure. Like, I'll I'll, I'll do it. Like, as long as their thing was literally just like, we don't care. Yeah, Anything's yeah, better yeah. than nothing. Right. We just don't want to be the one to click the button. Right. So did that. Found one person I like sort of knew that had done weddings before. And he just was like, make sure you have two of everything. Yeah. Um, oh, so I good. used that $500 yeah. to go buy a 20D and another lens, and which was great because as soon as people started walking down the aisle, my Rebel froze. Oh, oh no. Thing I have to, and it's the, it's one of, it's one of only three times in six, 15 years that that's ever happened to me. And it happened on my first wedding. <laughs> Wild. So, oh, good, good. Uh, I guess the thing for the future, knowing that <laughs> that is very important. Very true. Yes. So, so as I, I started doing that, then like, you know, family kind of, knew that I was doing things. I got to borrow my uncle's Hasselblad. And as I was kind of going to school for music stuff, it kind of started shifting to like ah. multimedia. And I now had access to like my dad's Nikon F2 and my Ooh. uncle's Hasselblad 500CM. So I had like a good starting point for film cameras. Yeah. Um, and then two of, two of which I still use today for like my own actual work. I love that. I love when the family camera gets passed down. Yeah. That's so good. Yeah. I'm like a very, I, I'm like not sentimental about some things, but like very sentimental about a few objects in my yeah. life. Yeah. And so like, yeah, I have a few cameras and like one of my guitars uh, is just like, I can never sell it no right. matter what. I need to just yeah. etch my last name into the back. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, um, yeah. Well, I guess, yeah, I'm like my uncle's like social security numbers and etched into like some of the cameras. So. Oh, I love that people used to do that. I <laughs> That's have a, insane. I yeah, yeah, yeah. I have a 35 millimeter Nikon, just a random that has somebody's, it has <gasps> to be a social security number. I mean, it's the same amount yeah. of numbers. It was that and like uh, driver's license number used yeah. to be the other thing. Jeez. Crazy. Um, so Crazy. I have, yeah, some, some of those. And so that, that sort of like started my trajectory. But also I did like an intro to photography class at the University of Washington as but I was already like doing photos for a living at that point. Yeah. Okay. Um, so I was kind of I was kind of bored and I convinced the teacher's aide to let us do everything on film uh, <sighs> because it was supposed to be an all digital class. Wow. <laughs> and uh, I knew that 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 teacher's aide was uh, just like a film buff. And so I was like, hey, listen, like we have access to this like huge dark room. Oh, man. Cool. Can we just do all our projects on film? She was like, Yes, that sounds like a good idea. So I'm sure everyone else in that class hated me because then they had to do everything with like way yeah. more work and everything. But yes. uh, it was fun because that was like my first time, you know, making actual prints in the dark room and um, spending a bunch of extra time figuring all that stuff out and learning how that whole process worked and developing black and white and color. And mm. uh, I guess gave me a much bigger appreciation for that whole medium instead of just like you know, snapping some digital photos or even using one of my film cameras and just dropping it off at Walgreens at the time yeah, right, and getting I know. back in an hour. Then I was like, oh, there was there is a different experience to this whole thing. Yeah, there's a huge appreciation that comes from from that stuff, from the from like, you know, taking it from point A to point mm -hmm. D when you're finally making a print. Yeah. There's just something <laughs> you learn so much from that. Yeah, yeah. And like in the yeah, and you learn a lot and you have the appreciation for like, OK, I understand the entire process now too, yes. where like, you know, I have a, a myriad of digital cameras um, and like, I technically understand how a pixel works and a sensor works and like a <laughs> yeah. CMOS thing and all these kind of things. But like, I'm not going through and seeing all those little processes and micro right. algorithmic right. whatever stuff. But there was something about doing it on film and starting to learn about the chemicals and understanding how the light actually interacted with those chemicals and the cellulose and yeah and then seeing it projected through like a projection lens onto photo paper and having to learn how to like you know use a, a dark bag and yeah. all that kind of stuff so oh, but it just felt stuff. like you know i'm obviously everyone that's listening to this probably just knows that it just feels so much more rewarding uh, when you go through that whole process that versus just, you know, anybody that wants to shoot 30 frames a second on a right. digital camera and then grab one of them versus mm. like waiting for that 
boom moment that you actually decide to take one. Totally. So so anyway, I don't yeah. know how much more we want to get into this, but <laughs> at that point, like I always uh, and especially like um, early on. So that was like 2007 when I did my first wedding. Um, and then 2009 is kind of when I started to get more and more into it. And at the time I was you know, shooting stuff on these really nice film cameras and then getting the work back and being like, this looks amazing. Um, and then uh, seeing my digital stuff and being like, iPhoto in, in, on my Mac does not yeah. <laughs> compute the same amount of, yeah. Uh, yeah. you know, uh, fall off and all these other things. And so it was one of those things where I, I did kind of dive deep into Lightroom and figuring all that kind of stuff out and trying to you know, my my work has always been primarily digital, but I've always used film as kind of like an anchor point. Right. Of I don't want my stuff to ever stray far enough from, you know, like basically portrait colors and Kodak and stuff like that, that I wouldn't be able to put my photos next to each other right. and go, oh my gosh, these are like not not right. Right. So anytime that I'm making like a new preset or doing anything in that direction, it's always kind of anchored to that general aesthetic and stuff. So yeah, because my, my thing with digital has always been, I don't want to make it replicate film exactly mm. because there's just so many nuances that go into that, right. that, yeah. you know, yeah. that, depending on what scanner and how you shot it and um, all that kind of stuff. But I was always trying to make my stuff just not look digital, mm. <laughs> um, which is always hard. But yeah, I, uh, that's been the fun mm. thing is like, you know, doing a lot of, of film stuff along with the digital to kind of like inform the digital. And oftentimes I would start to edit some of the digital stuff and then I'd get the film scans back and be like, okay, yep, we're going to read it all. This. <laughs> yeah, way off. Yeah, um, way off. <laughs> yeah, way off. I thought I was going in a good direction, but this looks so much better, you know. And so I started doing that. And then, um, you know, I grew up in the Northwest and outdoors and all that kind of stuff and was in ballrooms and barns and things yeah, everywhere while yeah. like, my friends and family were out camping and uh, like wakeboarding and being on the lake and everything. And so uh, I started kind of being like, you know, I bet there's other people like me that also would rather be outdoors and rather be <laughs> in an environment that doesn't feel so stuffy and, yeah. and all that kind of stuff. So uh, I guess my like claim to fame in the wedding world is like getting into like the whole adventure elopement thing. Oh, man. Yeah. yeah. So well, that's which is now it's like own industry. Uh, but like literally 10 years ago um, in May. So pretty close, pretty soon here. Uh, was when like we did like the first one basically and wow. like no coined kidding. the term wow. and did all that kind of stuff. So it like blew up on the internet. Um, and then that sort of I was sort of pushing clients like, oh, we're doing your wedding at a golf course. Like there's this cliffside right nearby that like we shoot your photos there instead and like trying to do that kind of stuff. But now a lot of my work is, you know, in really beautiful places and traveling and all that kind of stuff has always been part of my thing. But doing that and finding couples originally, especially that were willing to go do that kind of stuff um, and go out to the mountains instead of in a ballroom or like a community center or something was like a wild thing 10 years uh -huh, ago. Yeah. And now it's just like the norm for a ton of people. Do, do you think that's because of the pandemic? Is that have you seen? Have you seen like that kind of? Uh... So I mean, especially especially post pandemic. Yeah, I had I had a lot of weddings even during the pandemic that were originally supposed to be bigger. Yep. And then they're like, hey, like we've seen your other work. Like, can we just like rent an Airbnb in the middle of nowhere and invite a small group of people and yeah. do our Damn. wedding COVID style like that? And yeah. I think the term that I got a lot from earlier clients and my my couple did as well is. It was something they had always wanted to do, but they never felt like they had permission to do it. Right. And then after seeing those photos and, and a video that accompanied it, and um, it like really, it, I mean, it's 2013, but it like blew up on the internet right. and caused like its own genre of wedding photography. Um, but the thing that we got over and over was like, I'd wanted to do that, but I never felt like I had permission. Right. And now that I saw these photos and can show them to my friends and family, now I have permission to right. do something similar at least. Wow. And so, yeah, I feel like especially post-COVID weddings have just become so much more flexible right. with like whatever you want to do. Yeah. If you want to have 300 people in a ballroom, like rock and roll. If you want to have four people in a national park by a right. lake, rock and roll. You know, I think a lot of people are more understanding or like I've had clients before that have had multiple like ceremony type things and multiple receptions. And so it's just right, kind of like a, becoming more and more socially acceptable to doing whatever you want. Right? A lot of people are like getting wow. married and wow. then having the wedding too. I've, I've noticed that as well. Like, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. Especially like in COVID. Uh huh. Yeah. 
Yeah, there was a lot of that. And like, that's, that's kind of a thing that I suggest to a lot of people as well is like, you know, a lot of the times you want to have that like intimate moment with your partner or whatever, you know, and sometimes that can be like out in the woods or uh, at a favorite restaurant or whatever you want to do and do your vows and things like that there. And but I always try to also suggest like, you should have some time if your personality like (laughs) allows for it basically to like, have a celebration with everybody too, though. Yeah. So I have a lot of clients that'll just like, just like their parents and them or just like their best friend and them will like go on a hike with me. And we'll go maybe even in the morning and go do a hike and go, you know, out to somewhere and do their vows and some portraits and everything like that. And then have like an open midday of like, we're not doing anything. They go relax, whatever. And then we'll have like a reception at night where they go like basically party with everybody. And so for some people that obviously ends up being kind of like the best of both worlds. Man. So what was the first elopement like? I mean, was it was it just kind of like a spur of the moment thing or how did you know where you were just like the aha, like where you were out in the thick of it doing? what was what was that like yeah yeah i mean so so obviously like the couple came into play with that specifically quite a bit right okay so the the couple like at the time the bride had i think 150,000 followers on instagram oh wow which in 2013 was like bonkers right Right. yeah and the groom i think he yeah he had like was like an x games medalist for snowboarding and stuff like that yeah so like (laughs) they already had their own kind of personal followings but especially in like early instagram life that whole like outdoor thing was Uh becoming more popular and everything and so they were just like you know mutual friends of mine like and i'd I'd met them a couple times and one of my good friends was going to be their officiant and so it was like hey like i know my friend benj has been doing a lot of stuff like similar to what you guys are doing i think this would be like a really good kind of collaboration and then my friend jansen also like was doing a lot of documentary film work stuff alongside my friend Joel, who was the officiant. And so the I guess five of us did it together. And it was just like the perfect collaboration for everybody, right? Wow. Like great way to kick it off. Yeah. 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 Oh yeah, for sure. It was like the the biggest thing, right? And so yeah, and they they both didn't they both lived in Seattle at the time, but neither of them were from there. So they were already kind of like disconnected from their families and they kind of like I think they kind of like either like rekindled or whatever their relationship very together in Seattle. So they wanted that to be kind of like that area to be a big part of it. And, you know, so it made a lot of sense for them logistically. And it just happened to be that that's also where I was trying to go with my work. Yeah, Um, it was one of those Mm. things that like every star aligned. And then it was just, yeah, one of those like viral things where like it just blew up. It was everywhere. It was like the most popular thing outside of like celebrity weddings on Dude. Pinterest and wow. uh, the dressmaker that the, her dress was like discontinued at the time. Like it was just, you know, <laughs> she bought it like last right. year's model or whatever. Right. Yeah. The dress manufacturer had to go back and re-release that Whoa. dress. No and kidding. Like that. It was like, Wild. that was bonkers. Yeah. So if you ever like look it up or whatever, it's also a very unique dress. It had like a, like a black pattern on it and stuff. Yeah, so yeah. it wasn't just like something that no one had, you know, it wasn't like just an everyday kind of dress. Right, too. right, right. Um, so it was one of those like perfect storms, perfect moments. And like I had already been kind of doing things in the industry, like speaking at events. And so I was already because I think I had like 50,000 followers on Instagram at the time. And so like I, I wasn't like a nobody. No one had ever heard of me. So it yeah. also like be- between everybody. Right. It just kind of like and obviously the story and the photos like it was sunny for their ceremony. And then we hiked up a couple miles. And when we got to the top, it was nice. But then you can see a storm r- rolling. Whoa in as we like finish portraits so like in the distance we're on a mountaintop you see this storm coming so i'm shooting portraits of them all this kind of stuff and by the end we are ready to leave right as it starts raining and then it dumps like it just pours all the way down this trail for a few miles or whatever we're like running Running, with them my friends like filming it all like Uh, it's just wild and then we get to the bottom the storm clears it's just like what in the world you know like it was just yeah one of those like serendipitous everything works together and then it was obviously something that people were also kind of looking for too because i know literally like thousands of photographers now that that's their main thing like they don't even do traditional weddings they only do like adventure elopements is what we termed it yeah as as like someone who's shot weddings that's like the dream like where like I don't want to go to a ballroom. I don't want to do a venue. Like, let's go to the mountaintop or the beach or somewhere fun. Like, that sounds way, Mm -hmm. way better for 
like everybody, including the photographs, I would imagine. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's definitely a lot of like planning goes into it to figure out like, okay, where are we going? What time of day is best? Where's the light going to be? Are we going to be somewhere where it's uber popular and there's going to be like 40 Uh people up there at the top or hundreds of people up there like watching your vows? So especially early on, it was a lot of scouting and uh, trying to find all that kind of stuff. You become like a de facto like planner a uh-huh. lot. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. With all that kind of oh, stuff. Oh, yeah, I didn't so, even think of that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of other things that go into it for sure. But yeah, it's, I mean, and the thing about that too is uh, like I definitely got known for that, but I never stopped doing traditional weddings. So if ah. someone like just loves how I do interactions between people and like, uh, because the longer I've done this, I've, this is year, it will be 16 years for me, which is wow, wild. It's like literally the only thing I've ever done, really. I, I realized that like the place is amazing and it helps to tell the story and it's part of the story, right? Like anytime you watch a movie or whatever, mm-hmm. like where you are is a huge part of that story. Mm-hmm. But it's only part of it, right? It's all, all like those micro interactions and how people are looking at each other and trying to capture like the emotion and what it meant to be there and everything like that becomes more important, right? Mm-hmm. Because, you know, as we grow as humans and as I've had kids and I've, as I've seen people in my life die and all those kinds of things, I realize how incredibly important those interactions are. And it's one of those things where like the really cool photo on a cliffside on a mountain somewhere is beautiful and it's probably going to book me more weddings. But in 10 years, that same couple is probably going to go cool cliffside photo. But this photo of me hugging my grandma is actually means more Uh, to me than any other thing that that we did that day or, you know, whatever. So that's kind of the thing that has always just sort of kept me going and made even the most what people would usually think of like as monotonous weddings. I don't know, feel (laughs) uh, like interesting and uh like they're worth doing because right. you're it's more about like you're you know as that sounds cheesy but you're like capturing what it means to be a human right yeah at the same yeah. time instead of just like trying to make some beautiful photos you use those different mediums to accomplish that goal right i'm guessing that your inbox blew up like crazy after that oh yeah oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> everybody wanting to do the same thing hundreds and I, I, it was it was bad like i also uh recently was diagnosed with adhd so uh <laughs> especially at the time it's just like I mean, Chris, you can even uh, attest to this, like as I'm trying to like <laughs> message you, not that you have ADHD, but just that you've been messaging me back and forth on email and then on <laughs> the Instagram and like yeah, back yeah. and forth. It's like my brain <laughs> has a hard time with communication sometimes. And so, yeah, I was having just like hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of inquiries and Man. lots of them that especially if I just knew I was already booked, I just like wouldn't even write back because right. I, yeah. I physically yeah. didn't have time for it. It's hard. And then I would be speaking at like an event or something and then people would come up to me and like, so I inquired with you. You never wrote me back. I'm like, I'm so sorry. I didn't mean to. I'm such a jerk. Like all these little awkward interactions where I was like, I promise I didn't mean to. I was just so overwhelmed. Yeah. You need an assistant is what it means, Ben. You need something to. (laughs) I did. I did need an assistant. Yes. Yeah. I did. I did need one. I don't have one. I've tried to hire people to do it. But then if like someone messes up or whatever, or like I've had times where like people have sent uh, accidentally sent pricing from two years ago. Oh, yikes. 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 (laughs) You know, like and and then I've shot the weddings for that older pricing because I'm like, it's technically my business's fault, you know. Right. Yeah. um, And now. It's definitely calmed down in the in that time, so it's not like as overwhelming. I still hate doing emails, but yeah, yeah. Same. there was a time mm. where it was just like hundreds and hundreds, if not like maybe a thousand inquiries in a year. It was yeah, way too overwhelming, and had to figure out how to like raise rates and uh-huh. do that stuff in a way that was still st- like sustainable. Because I'll yeah. see people that will find some success and then they'll raise their rates to like outlandish yeah. prices that like no one can afford and they'll do really well for a year or two and then it's just not sustainable. Then it's right. So I've always yep. tried to kind of like sort of similar how I, I I did film stuff is like kind of keep an anchor point, not stray too far, right. not try to like overcapitalize on things, which I think is one of the reasons why I'm still doing this, right. you know, 15 years later or whatever. Yeah. The business side is just boggling. Yeah. Go but ahead, my, my next question for you is how much of your weddings are like, what's the percentage of film versus digital? Like, do you go in with like, okay, I'm going to shoot this many roles. Cause I shot a wedding recently where I, <laughs> I was like, I'm going to shoot most of it on film. Watch me. Like, and I shot, yeah. you know, yeah, yeah. I think three or four roles or not even sure. three, you know, which That was even for me like a win because with the digital, you know, just more comfortable, you know, you're getting it, the whole thing. But 
But yeah, talk to us about yeah, yeah. what that process is like for you. Totally. Yeah, yeah, that's a great question. I get that. I get asked that a lot too. And the weird thing is there are some clients that like specifically are requesting film. Oh, oh and so cool. like I have one I, I need to I need to write them back right now. Is yeah. that they were like, <laughs> all right, so in our in our meeting, you said that you would let us have the negatives afterwards. I we didn't see that in the contract. You know, I'm like, oh yeah, yeah, sure. Like it's kind of like an off thing. If you want the negatives, like I'll give them to you. It's fine. Oh, crazy. Yeah. Do you charge more for that? I so I charge like, more if it's more than like a like five rolls or something. Okay. Mm. So if people kind of like request like, hey, can you, you think you can shoot a little bit of film here or there? And like usually it's just up to me, like what camera I want to bring or whatever I want to do. But if it's like, no, 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 we want like a, a larger emphasis on mm. it, then yeah, I like I charge for, you know, processing and scanning. And now I need to raise that rate even more because film prices are, 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 are amazing. They're great. <laughs> yeah, I know. Do you charge for like, you know, because back when I was doing it with with the partner. Oh, to we, give like the negatives out. Yeah, with, for the rights rights of the, you know, for the images you would charge like you know a thousand dollars or whatever yeah, do, you, yeah. do you charge specifically for that so this is the first client that's actually asked for the negatives i get asked for the raw files all the time but this yeah, is the yeah. first client that i was kind of talking to him and the uh the groom i think is like a dp or something and so i was just like yeah like after i like i'll scan them or right. i'll send them off to indie or whatever and then once we get them back like as long as i feel good about how we scanned them, then yeah, you can have them. That mm. doesn't matter to me, especially because it's not going to be like the whole thing. Right. If I was right, doing right, the right. whole wedding on film, then I'd be like, I don't know. Yeah. But it's one of those things where it's just going to like, I'm going to put them in a little binder yeah. and then they're going to sit there for the rest of eternity probably. Right. <laughs> so they might as well have yeah. them. But yeah, so it, it sort of depends. And like I did, I did a wedding earlier this year or last year, I guess that was like only film, right? Like, so they yeah. had a digital photographer and then I came in as the sole film photographer. Oh, See, cool. that's what I would love that. <laughs> I would love yeah. somebody else get the whole thing on digital and I'll do all the fun artsy stuff mm -hmm. on film. That's that's my dream. Yes. Oh, my God. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. So we were, um, it was one of those things too where like uh, it was at this place called Amangiri, mm. which is like one of those places that like celebrities stay at. It's like thousands of dollars oh, wow. a night to stay there kind of thing. And the photographer and their, the couple's planner were having a meeting with the clients and stuff. And they were like, oh, also like it's kind of random, but like we just like really love photos on film. Do you guys do that? And they're like, uh, we could, but how much do you want of this? And they're like, we just would love like film all day. That'd be great. And they're like, all right, cool. Just I'm assuming knowing that they had kind of like a huge budget. Yeah. So yeah. they just like hit me up and my, my friend Annie uh, was just like, hey, do you want to come in like 10 days <sighs> to this place? And uh, just let me know how much they would charge. And like, it was one of those things too, where we were both co-first shooters. So yeah. I was like second shooting stuff. Yeah, yeah. She was just like, don't worry about like doing stuff. Just shoot this as you would normally shoot it uh -huh. as if it was your own wedding. Uh, and it was one of those like you shoot as much film as you want, like shoot whatever film you want, wow. <laughs> uh, shoot whatever cameras you want. Oh. And so it's kind of like a, a dream shoot. So yeah. uh, I'll send maybe I'll send you guys a photo later or something. Yeah, I'd love yeah. to see that. I have a photo. Well, I show you. Yeah, but I have a photo of myself. Uh, I think I'm taking a photo with a Pentax 67. I have like one of my Leicas around my neck. I have a Fujifilm Class W around my neck. I have a <laughs> light meter around my neck. I think I have another uh, like camera around. I I've shot like nine cameras on that day. Oh, uh, I love it. Incredible. I love it. Love it. Just, like, it was one of those like everyone saw the photo and were like, your neck must have just been dead. Yeah, your back, your poor back. <laughs> I, oh my God. Yeah, because I, I didn't have an assistant either. So I had to make sure that, you know, if I'm shooting... You know, I'm not going to like reload a Pentax 6-7 in the middle yeah. of the wedding ceremony. Um, yeah. So I was like shooting like my Hasselblad right, and like right. switch it back real quick. And then right. I'd run out of that and then like grab the Pentax. And so obviously super fun. Uh, but that's that's more rare. Right. Yeah. I would say that's that's part of oh, like it's part the, of the game for sure. Yeah. The anxiety for me is yeah. like, I can't change a role right now. I have to keep <laughs> going, you know? Mm hmm. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I was definitely burning uh, a few that were like close to the end of the role uh -huh. before the ceremony because I was like, well, I'm not going to change like my M6 like right when the bride's walking down the aisle. Right. Or yeah. Exactly. You know? yeah. So, yeah, that's yeah, it's definitely part of the game. Almost you got to play is figuring out like how, how am I going to, you know, use these frames? I only have X amount and, you know, what am I what camera am I going to use here? And yeah, I definitely took a lot more planning of knowing, okay, I'm going to use this camera and I'm probably going to use X amount of photos for, um, yeah, I had like my dad's Nikon F2. So I was using that yeah. as like a telephoto. So I'm you know, knowing I'm only going to have 36 telephoto shots from the ceremony. Got to use them right, you know. So how many how many roles did you cu come away with? I think I, I, I didn't do as many as I thought I was going to, but I think I did like 30. That's Ooh. 
Yeah. That's impressive. So, I mean, 30 rolls for me, and it's the most I've ever shot in one day. Yeah. <laughs> that's for yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But yeah, that's between uh, everything from like a half frame point and shoot to uh, six, seven. So, yeah, I was just burning through stuff. Dude, that shot sounds still, so shot, much like, fun. All sorts of stuff. Yeah. yeah. It was definitely stressful and uh, a yes. lot, a lot of work, <laughs> but it was super fun and super rewarding, especially you know, getting the stuff back and being in a beautiful location and just being able to shoot as much portrait hundred as I wanted. And uh-huh. all that that, stuff. That's the situation where you yeah. do need, you need somebody with you. Like you need just an assistant to be like, all right, pet tax is yeah. empty. Reload it. Like, you know? Yeah, 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 totally. Yeah. So that would, that would have been nice. And I wouldn't have been carrying around so many cameras. All right. Day. But <laughs> right. I guess it was part of like the, the fun of it all. Right. It was yeah. Yeah, trying to figure out all the logistics of how much I will need for each thing. And yeah, all that kind of stuff. That's amazing. Fun. Fun, fun, fun. How did the YouTube channel come about? Because I was just telling Timothy before we got on, your channel yeah, is true. like where I go when I'm like, I just want to nerd out right now. I want to like, <laughs> like anytime I have like like a gas, I'm like, oh, let me just go look at all his reviews on these lenses. Like, it's, and, yeah, yeah. and really like it's the whole package, like the website, the images, the photography, the YouTube channel all looks so con- conducive and wonderful and nice. But how did that, how <laughs> did you, are you consider yourself a teacher, I guess? Talk to us about yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, for sure. So yeah, early on uh, in like, yeah, probably 2012 or so, I started to get invited to speak at conferences for wedding photographers and stuff like that and did not feel like I wanted to do that at all. And then mm. finally got like peer pressured into it sort of um, and obviously like worked really hard on doing one good presentation and kind of in a similar way, like did the presentation and there was someone there from Australia that was putting on their own conference soon enough. And they were like, oh my gosh, I love that. I would love for you to come and speak at mine. And then, <laughs> you know, kind of like another one of those like yeah. snowballed into being a, a thing for me. So kind of like pre-COVID, I was doing anywhere from like eight to 12 conferences or bigger workshops and stuff like that a year where I travel somewhere. Oh, so And I've cool. done my own where like people will come to me and like we'll rent out a cabin in the mountains and um, you know, have like a smaller, like 20 person kind of thing. And so I guess because of that started to learn to be more comfortable with my own voice and especially hearing my own <laughs> voice and mm-hmm. dealing with uh, that, all that kind of stuff. And so sort of because of that, I started, you know, just, I've always been a bit of a tech nerd about all that kind of stuff. And, you know, before I did that, before I did photo stuff, I was always like on gear forums for guitars yeah. and trying to figure out which new pedal I was going to buy. And, all that kind of stuff. So I started falling into YouTube and seeing like, oh, I have a Leica, but like here, can, this new lens from Voigtlander came out. Oh, yeah. no one's done a review of it. Like, how am I supposed to know if I should buy this thing or not? Right. Now I have to actually go buy it and try to see if it's working or whatever. And I feel like I'm one of like five people that knows if I should actually buy this thing or not. <laughs> so going into like the be the person that has ADHD and just like, I can do anything I want, right? Was like, I'll start a YouTube channel because I, I have a bunch of stuff and I wanted to like answer the questions that I was asking about. Yeah. You know, the the M2 or the 50 Sumalux or and I do like I do weird things like I shoot most of my weddings primarily on Leica cameras um, and like M cameras specifically. And but I've never seen anybody doing weddings and like shallow depth the field stuff with an M before. And so I was like, oh, it's probably not possible. But then once I started to learn how to do it myself, I was like, all right, well, I guess I need to kind of share this information or whatever. So, yeah, I kind of started that up and have been doing it sort of more consistently for the last year and a half or so, but more kind of, yeah, started it originally as a, I have questions. I don't see these being answered. I want to make, I guess, like a library of information about stuff I'm not seeing as much of. And now as I've done it longer, I'm doing videos on Sony cameras and things yeah, that yeah, the audience yeah. is going to be like rolling their eyes at. Or, or <laughs> the people in my comment section saying, boo, show me a like. But that's like where it, it definitely started on me like reviewing just the cameras I already had. So like reviewing my Hasselblad and reviewing my M2 and yeah. doing a review on my 50 Sumalux and uh, a bunch of, you know, Voigtlanders and stuff like that. And then kind of just evolved as I just... I mainly only do videos if I'm personally curious about the thing. So if I do a video on a Sony camera or some digital thing, it's because I'm actually trying to figure out like, is this going to work for me? And as I'm doing all these tests, I'm like, I might as well film them and make a video about it. And so, yeah, you you can see anything from like Fujifilm stuff and the X100s to the Qs to like, uh, I I have this uh, Roloflex that's actually sitting next to me. And I lent it to a friend of mine and he brought it back without the shutter 
thing working anymore. Oh. So it's stuck at it's stuck at one sixtieth of a second. <laughs> and so I, I one time just loaded a roll of Portra four hundred in there and was just like, I want to see how much latitude huh. Portra actually has. Right. And so I went outside and shot everything wide open at three point five at one sixtieth of a second. And then I went inside and took photos of my kids at three point five at one fiftieth or sixtieth of a second and got the film back and was like, oh, everything still works. This is wow. insane. Yeah. Um, yeah. Wow, so wow, you know wow. did a photo about there did a video about that about how like so anytime anybody because uh, I, I work with and teach a lot of people that don't, aren't doing anything for film and they're like oh film's so scary like yeah. we can't do this like you have to get it perfect and like do you understand how much latitude like a, <laughs> a, a color negative film has yeah. uh-huh. I don't think you do because you can mess up quite a bit not that I want to give that as advice but for the people that are, are like ah, I'm, I'm gonna mess this up I'm like just overexpose it a little yeah, bit you'll be, you're totally fine. Fine. You'll you're be fine. fine you'll be more than fine so and uh, I always offer that at workshops and stuff uh, as like I'm just gonna bring all my film cameras and let people who've never shot film before try it out and in the past like Kodak's been really great about giving me film for that and Indy's always been a sponsor to like let people you know, I'll, I'll send the the roles that they had in and they can see everything and go, oh my gosh, like this actually wasn't hard. I used it just like my other cameras and this weird disconnect for with people that only have done digital to right. doing film and going, oh right. my gosh, like I thought this was going to be so hard and ended up being not too bad. How often do you, are you doing these workshops and where can, where can, like, do you travel with those at all? Like, will you come to LA? I'm saying. Yeah. So <laughs> <laughs> I should, I, I need to do more. Like my problem with it is uh, when I do my own workshops, it's like, I don't, I need, I need a producer basically. Right. So if someone wants to be my producer and set up everything and whatnot, then I'll do it. But yeah, my thing has always been like, I'm the one doing everything, answering right. questions about where she, people should stay and booking the place and right. arranging the food and all that kind of stuff. And so it just becomes one of those things where it's like really fun, but really draining. Right. <laughs> and so I haven't I haven't done one since pre-COVID. So wow. I mm. should probably do it because people uh, ask me quite a bit if they can come to one. But I'm like, I need someone to do it for me. <laughs> Sitting behind the computer like at a Zoom seminar. Everybody's over that. We're like, let's I want to go back outside. I want to go back yeah, yeah. in person. No, thank you. Know? you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the thing about like any of the photo event things that you can go to if you can find one that is going to attract similarly minded people even if it's not something that like the presentation might not be incredibly beneficial i always find that i usually learn more from just being around the other people and those small conversations Uh you know with people at lunch or dinner or in break times or on the side shoots or whatever the thing might be than I even sometimes do at the actual presentations. So that's another thing that like, obviously you don't get if you're doing it on Zoom or whatever, is meeting all these different people and hearing all these different perspectives and how they do things because so many of us are just sitting in front of our computers all day if we're full-time photographers, Uh like editing and writing emails and all this kind of stuff. So you don't actually have coworkers in that same way that many people do, right? So the collaborative thing, especially with weddings or some portrait things or whatever, just doesn't exist. So yeah, getting to those things is always really fun and beneficial, I guess. Yeah. When I was shooting weddings back like 10 years ago now, maybe more, we, we would go to seminars all the time. <laughs> I'd hear people speak all the time. It was just like part of answering yeah, emails yeah. and it was like going to see whoever. Mm-hmm. I miss it. So come to LA, Benj. Come to LA so I can come to your seminar. Oh, yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> Would love to. Yeah. If someone wants to uh, set it up or whatever, yeah, yeah, I need a producer again. <laughs> there you okay. go, Chris. But then that sounds too fancy, right? Oh, Benj needs a producer. <laughs> I always like to ask because, you know, having photography being your, you know, your full-time gig and whatnot, where does personal work kind of lie mm. with you like are you still shooting kind of off the clock as well like do you do a lot of shooting outside of your work yeah so another thing i guess about doing like a youtube channel too is i've always been the guy that's like i'm just bringing a camera to my niece's birthday party yep, <laughs> and like yep, yep. Uh, i'm just like always the guy that's bringing a camera everywhere with me and it's not one of those things where i'm like oh great someone's gonna ask me for a photo i'm like yeah. if i know that i'm gonna need to do that i'll bring a point and shoot and I'll just when I get the negatives back I'll just cool if I yeah. if I know that it's yep. anything I'll just send them out later or whatever and so yeah I've always been that kind of person and so for a while I was doing I would you know volunteer to do like a documentary thing in Nicaragua with a friend that was doing a project or oh, whatever cool. but I don't and I, I actually used to shoot uh I used to do photos for the Seahawks <laughs> oh <laughs> nice enough, yeah 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 I did that for like 
almost 10 years or more than 12 years, I think. I did photos like I worked for the team. Technically, I was like a sideline photographer. And I've been trying to pitch, especially because this is like the, I know this is like nerdy, whatever stuff for Seattle, but this is like (laughs) also, I think the 10 year anniversary of like when we won the Super Bowl. (laughs) And so I've been wanting to pitch. I've been trying to pitch them for a long time about letting me go and shoot that same stuff, but only shooting it on film. Yes. I'd be the only person that would be doing that. I could still shoot like a 1V or whatever and get some action stuff. But like, how cool would it be to, you know, roll up with some like medium format stuff and do the exact opposite of every single other person down there on the sidelines? So if anybody's working for any NFL team or whatever and wants me to do some film work for them, I bet that's a, that's a thing that I've always been wanting to do that. And it was also fascinating to me to go in there and see in like the media room where there used to be a dark room because yeah. photographers would like roll their stuff out yeah. and immediately yeah. have people in the dark room trying to get it out so they could get it onto the paper and stuff. And so that's oddly been like another goal of mine is to get back into doing that, but in a, in a more specific way, uh, especially doing film. That's been something I've been trying to pitch people for a long time and have un- unfortunately been unsuccessful. Like sort of getting back to all that kind of stuff is just like uh, I, I have young kids. I have a two-year-old and a six-year-old now. And a lot of my, I guess, personal work has mostly just been wrapped around if we're going to the park, I'm going to be bringing a camera with me and trying to find interesting ways to make photos of them, whether it's just bringing like a phone or whether it's bringing a point and shoot film camera or whether it's bringing something on medium format like that, that thing that I talked about where I was doing that portrait 400 test, mm-hmm. I was doing, I was doing that of my child when we went on a walk around the block. Right. right. Yeah. Um, so a lot of my like things, if I need to test a lens for YouTube or I have an idea of something, a lot of it comes from doing photos on walks with my kids or going on bike rides or whatever the case may be with that. So at this point, at least, yeah, that's like my main, my main thing is just taking a bunch of photos of my kids and uh, hopefully leaving them with a good visual legacy, you know? Oh, I love it. Yeah. I love it. <laughs> yeah. With the kids thing, it's, so, yeah, it's like... I don't have anything you, really fun. No, I mean, because we, we've talked no, to people who are, like, who are yeah. like, I when I'm not in a shoot, I don't touch my camera. I can't. I'm too... I need a break, you know? Yeah. But then there's yeah, yeah. people like... There's other folks like us who are like, well, I bring it everywhere, you know? So it's just cool to hear like both yeah, sides of that yeah. kind of story. Totally. I think, I think for me too is like, especially when I was shooting like the Canon 5D series... I would mm-hmm. never in a million years bring that to like a family right. thing. But if <laughs> yeah. I'm bringing like, yes. you know, if I'm bringing a, like a film camera or like if I'm bringing like my dad, like one of the things I, I, I like to do is like I'm going to bring my dad's like Nikon F2. That is yep. the same camera that I have photos yep. of on my fifth birthday. So right. on my kid's first fifth birthday, I'm going to take photos on that same camera. Aww. And so, you know, and then I know too, I'm only going to bring one roll or I'm going right. to only, you know, keep the roll that's already in there or whatever. And so it's not this like big thing where I'm just like snap photos constantly or something. I'll maybe take like five photos. And it's just like, that's not a burden. It's just one of those yeah. things that like I get to do and say so it's, it's fun. It's inspiring. And it's a different process than, you know, bringing work with you. So often when I have a fun camera to use, like a Hasselblad or uh-huh. something like that, it doesn't feel like work. It just feels like an extension of something I love to do for my yep. work. Right. But it's, it's a different process and a different feeling. And I'm sure a lot of people obviously listening to this that um, do a lot of film stuff can obviously relate to that. Definitely. Yeah. We'll be right back with listener question for Benj right after this message from our sponsor. Just wanted to pop in here quick and let you guys know about our Patreon-only Develop and Hang Nights. Now, we've done a bunch of these already. They're a ton of fun. We develop some film. We talk shop. We laugh. We also try to get a former guest for these. So if that sounds like something you're interested in, head over to patreon.com slash analog talk. Patreon is the best way to support the show. Thanks. All right, guys, this is a part of the show where we break off and take a question from one of our listeners. And this week's question comes from One Roll of Film. And they wanted to know, after more than 15 years in the wedding business, how do you stay motivated? Mm. Yeah, yeah, that's good. Yeah, because I feel <laughs> like the the numbers are very much not that there are a lot of 15-year wedding photographers out uh-huh. there. Yeah. You know, a lot of people are in there for a couple of years or whatever. And a lot of people, to be honest, too, like, I mean... We know lots of people that are like, all right, cool. I can make a little bit of money doing weddings Uh while I'm trying to like get on set with something else or trying to do something else or whatever. 
And for whatever reason, like, I think I, I a fell into it, right? Like didn't mean to uh-huh. and kind of just slowly adopted it as like my thing. Like at first, I, especially I would yeah. meet someone on a plane and they'd be like, all right, well, like, where are you going? What are you doing? I'm like, oh, I'm a photographer. And they're like, okay, what are you doing? And I'd be like, oh, yeah. I'm a wedding photographer. And then you could see you could see on their face. They'd be like, oh, OK, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> and so huh. so especially at All first, right. like especially early on, that was like the the default reaction where I think wedding photographers were kind of like the scourge of the photography industry uh-huh. in, in a lot of ways. Right. Especially like I was. Yeah. I, I, we mentioned earlier that I was in college and I was saying, oh, yeah, I've been doing some weddings and uh, I might start doing more <laughs> of that. My, my, my thing. And my art professor was just like, oh, dear God, like what am I yeah. wasting my time on this moron for <laughs> kind of thing. But yeah, as I did it, like oh, we kind of touched on it slightly earlier, but I, I started just kind of seeing the the depth of it. Right. So um, seeing I, I started in 2007 and then I got married myself in 2009. So after I got married, I could see and empathize with like, uh, like someone's, you know, one partner seeing the other partner coming down the aisle. Oh, now I know what that feeling is. Yeah, so now yeah. I'm going to know how to photograph that a little bit better. And then I saw my own photos and saw the things that I really loved and really appreciated and then saw the things that I was like, oh, I wish I would have had more of that. Mm. So then I started doing more of that, trying to like, em- like put. I think as a photographer, you always are sort of imparting who you are onto your work, regardless of like if it's other people or blank canvases of nothing or whatever. I think I've heard that it, your your work, the better your work is or something, the more it becomes autobiographical. Yeah. Um, because yeah. You're, you're putting yourself and your values and everything into your work. And so I think just as important as me continuing to be a photographer the more I've lived life. And I remember like the wedding after my grandmother passed away. Mm. You know how many photos of that of that bride's grandmother they had mm-hmm. in their gallery oh, afterwards? Because I was oh, like, oh my yeah. gosh, like yeah. that that meant that meant so much more to me at that point than I had realized it would have right. 10 days before or whatever, right? And then I remember I would always do, I would do these talks, right? And talk about like, uh, there was this specific example that I used of this uh, father of a groom giving a speech to his son. And in the photo, he's crying and like, you know, the the son is just kind of like looking over, smiling a little bit. But like the guy is just like in absolute mm. tears. Mm. And at first I was like trying to think, I want to think of like the depth of like why these images exist outside of just like, here's a person who is crying. And I was kind of starting to realize like, oh my gosh, it's, it's probably obviously not just because he's seeing his son at this one moment in time and experiencing his son at this one moment in time and being really proud of him at that exact moment. Mm. And I was like, no, it's probably because of everything that led up to that. Yeah. And uh, I remember as I was giving that part of a talk at uh, a, an event that I was doing, I had just had a son like a month ago. And I got to that point in the, in the talk and I was like, oh, it's probably not because the dad is proud of him at this moment in time. It's probably because he's thinking about when he yeah. held him in his arms for the yep. first time yep. or when yep. he taught him Man. to ride a bike or he taught him to do all these things. And I, <laughs> I just start like weeping Aww. and just like uncontrollably crying because it, it, at that moment it was real, yeah. right? right? So like that, that became yeah. something that to me I could empathize with so much more than I could conceptualize before. Right. And so uh, I guess for me, all of the other things that go into it, right? Like all of the emails and all of the logistics and uh, the taxes and like everything yeah. else that goes into running a business, that's the stuff that's going to burn me out. Mm. And yeah. if I'm not communicating well with the clients or I don't have a good setup for, if I'm not pushing and making sure I have enough time for XYZ on the timeline or whatever like that, that's all those different things that can lead to burnout for me. But then going to the events and trying to like, make these people into people that I can relate to in my own life. And like, I remember like if a, a groomsman just be an absolute dick, you know, yeah. like, he's drunk, he's drunk at 11 o'clock in the morning. Oh, yeah. I had this happen one time where this, these, these guys are just like slammed at, at 11 AM and I'm going in there trying to get stuff of them. No one's dressed. Like yeah. they're just laughing the whole time, not paying attention to anything. I'm trying to get through a timeline, all this right. kind of stuff. Uh, and I remember I had to like take a moment. I went out in the hallway because I was just like so annoyed. And I just went, okay, you got to pretend that these guys are all of your friends. Right. I tried to like pick their personalities yeah. and like in my brain, rename them with my friends yeah. from high school. And I was like, all right, this guy's, this guy's Brian, this guy's Tyler, this guy's Tim, whatever. Like yeah. I'm going to pretend that their jokes are funny. 
I'm going to pretend that they are all my friends who are dumb and all got drunk <laughs> and mm-hmm. make it into something that's funny and relatable instead of something that's ruining my day. And so I went, I went through, we were late on some things, whatever. But then I got it. It was one of those things. I get an email, you know, a, a couple months later, family's really happy, blah, blah, blah with the, the stuff. Hey, just so you know, the, you know, the groomsman's mom or something like that just really wanted to pass on to you that he, he, you know, had, he passed away in a car accident freak uh, thing a couple of weeks oh ago. No. And they, if that's okay with you, they want to use, you know, some of the photos you took of him at our wedding as like, they're the last photos of him kind of thing. And they just want to thank you so much for taking the photos that like really captured who he was and his joy no. and all this kind of stuff. Wow. And I was just like, oh my gosh, like yeah. if I would have just been in my own head on this, I would have right. just completely missed it. I would have just, right. I would have just completely mailed it in. And I'm sure I still could have gotten that same e- email of like, thank you so much for these photos because they would have existed. Yeah. Right. But like yeah. maybe that personality would have come through because I would have been so annoyed or right. whatever. So there's all these like, and I, I have like, you know, 15 years worth of examples of stuff like that where I can pull on in the times where I'm feeling like, Oh my gosh, it's just another wedding. It's just another right. thing. But it's like all these people are their own people. And this event, even if it's at the same spot I was at last week, is its own thing. And these people are having their own experience today. And all of these relationships, whether they are only six months old or 30 years old or 60 years old, have all of that depth that now is like my goal to bring out as much of that depth in these interactions and these moments that are naturally going to happen as possible. And so I feel like being a camera nerd and stuff like that, all of I tell my clients that like the most creative thing I do on a wedding day has nothing to do with photography and has so much more to do with trying to find all of the things that are meaningful and all the things and the interactions between Mm. these people that I don't really know, but I can empathize and try to understand and put into context what that would be like in my own life and then try to see the value and all that kind of stuff. So those are the things where I still find like meaning and value and all that kind of stuff at every single wedding I go to. And sometimes I still do have to like give myself like the gut check of like, hey, <laughs> snap out of it. Like yeah. this isn't about Talk. you or whatever. Right. Yeah. yeah. But like I, I feel like I feel like I especially last year for whatever reason, I think it was probably because it was a little bit outside of post COVID and more people mm-hmm. were gathering and all that kind of stuff that like I left every single wedding last year being like really fulfilled in my work. Mm. Oh, great. Which was really interesting because obviously that's not always the case. But I feel like having that understanding and it being less tied to how many like Instagram likes I can have or how many publications I can be in or all of those other kind of like vanity metrics and make it more about like the legacy and the longevity of making work that is like relevant and interesting now, but also is going to have like a huge focus on the meaning and the depth of all those relationships in 20 years or whatever is one of those things that keeps me going and keeps me from at least burning out on that part of wedding specifically, Mm -hmm. if that makes sense. Totally. Great advice. Yeah, it is great advice. And I wanted to say like that, like (laughs) weddings are fun. I, every time I'm like, I don't want to shoot a wedding. Oh my God. So much, so stressed. But then I'm always like, yeah, I'm like, like, that was really fun. (laughs) I had a great time just being surrounded by the family and the love and stuff too. It's like, you always forget those moments that are part of the day that really, really are worth the rest of it. Mm-hmm. And, and I think like as someone who's done it for so long, one of the one of my best things that I can bring to the table on a wedding day is just the person that can be at that like 30,000 foot level of going uh-huh. like I've been to literally hundreds of these. This thing that everyone's freaking out about or whatever actually oh, yeah. isn't a big deal. Here's yep. <laughs> here's how I can like interject myself in a way that's not going to be disruptive, but is going to uh-huh. be helpful and like. You know, the plenty of times where like family portraits or something are just getting wild because people are yeah. too stressed out or whatever. I'm like, you know what? Like, let's just do some of these later. Who cares? Yeah. And like, I'm trying to always kind of like keep an eye on like what how my clients are feeling. So a lot of the times I'll just be like, yeah. hey, the light's really good right now. Do you guys want to like take a break or take some photos? And they're like, yes, please. Yeah, <laughs> and yeah, they're yeah. like, and sometimes I'll get like a lot of artists and they're like, is the light good right now? And I'm like, no, yeah. the light's the light's not that great. But it looked like you needed a walk. And they're like, right. oh my gosh, thank you. <laughs> yeah, my favorite thing to, to, to do is also to tell like a bride who's like worried about the time. I'm like, girlfriend, they're not going to start without you. You know? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. it's your thing. <laughs> you're like, the bride. You are the bride. So chill and let's mm-hmm. give out some more champagne. Like, 
<laughs> it's all gonna work out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's been there's been times a couple times where I can just tell like the bride has been really stressed out by her bridesmaids. Uh-huh. Too. And I'll be like, hey, I'm I'm literally photographing. I'm not doing video at all. But she'll be like getting her makeup done or something. And I'll be like, hey, is it okay? Can you guys all go out on the deck or whatever for like 15 minutes. I just need to record something uh, uh, for like the video later or whatever. And then uh, she'll be like, are we doing something? Like when I come back, I'm like, no, 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 we're not doing anything. I just yeah, seem like there's really overwhelming. She's like, oh my God. Is what you, what oh doing. my gosh. Thank you. You know? So it's like, honestly, like the, the creativity that I bring to a wedding day often, yeah, has little to do with photography at that point and more to do with like, how can we make this whole event go really well? Because at that point, like the photos will take care of themselves, right? Right. Um, yeah. Yeah. But that's yeah. obviously something that took a lot longer to do to feel confident in than just, right. you know, showing up on every mm. day. But yeah. <laughs> I that's love a it. Great answer. I great answer. It. Great advice. So good. Yeah. <laughs> Try. <laughs> totally. Totally. All right. So this is the the camera question portion mm. of the sode. Uh, it's the two part camera question. Part one is the desert island camera. You can only choose mm. one. What is it going to be and why? <sighs> it's so hard. So I've listened to your podcast <laughs> before, right? So I knew this was coming. Uh-huh. Uh, every every episode, I remember I was driving. I was doing a project with Kodak when they were actually releasing Ektachrome. And I was Ooh, listening yeah. to your podcast with uh, with Joe Greer. Yeah. Because I was like on the way up. And I ended up making a wrong turn. And then it was at the time. And I was trying to think of my own camera. And I still haven't figured it out since then. That was like four years ago or something. <laughs> um, and the, the annoying well, thing the is, is like I was trying to think about it this morning. I know. The problem <laughs> is I would have to say the Leica M6. Like oh. that's like the camera. It's because I, I'm a Leica guy. Listen, it's, it's mm. a great, it's a great answer. Lenses. It's a great camera. It's an annoying answer though because it's just like, <laughs> like almost like a stereotype. If someone has a Leica M6, then they're going to say <laughs> that. But like it just is because it has everything I would need. Yeah. I'm so used yeah. to that system. I have, I've shot anywhere from like a 15 millimeter all the way up to a 90 millimeter on it. Mm. Uh, and it, it's the camera that would be the most flexible for so many things while still giving me the most joy. Yeah, uh, yeah. that's so, important. Unfortunately, that that's has to important. be the answer, even though it yeah. feels like a cop out. I don't think it's a cop no out. No cop out. No. We love the like <laughs> M6. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's it's popular for a reason, but yeah. 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 All right. So part two is the white whale. Is there anything yeah. that you, mm. you know, you've always you've always wanted to own and you never had a chance to or you're lusting after you did, you know, mm. what uh, what's yeah. that going to be? Yeah. Can I can I do a two parter? Because it, yeah. there's like sure. a, it's 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 equal, unfortunately. So the first one is the X-Pan. Oh, always yes. wanted an X-Pan. And and like just like everybody else, I'm sure who did uh, film photography a few years ago before everything was just like wildly expensive. Uh -huh. Yeah, there were so many times where I almost bought an X Pan, but I was like, oh, it's just such a niche thing. Like I don't need it, right? Yeah. <laughs> and then it just keeps passing and keeps going up in price. I know, and it it would be like the perfect thing for me is like I'm I'm in a place with beautiful landscapes. I yeah. love rangefinders. I I love like that cinematic look in terms of like uh -huh. the aspect ratio. I own a regular Hasselblad like 500cm. So like so many of the things make sense for it, but I just never pulled the trigger. And now it's almost like out of reach. It's right? Yes. Yeah. And so so that's part one. And in a similar way is the Mamiya 7 or the Mamiya 7 II. Mm. Also another range finder. And I remember when I was first, I first bought a Leica and my friend was selling his full Mamiya 7 II kit. And I was like, I can either buy like an M6 for 600 bucks, which is annoying oh. now. Oh, or I can buy or I can spend $1,700. He was selling the entire Whoa. kit with like three lenses, no. everything with a 7.2 for $1,700. No. And I was like, uh, I do too many weddings. F4 is too slow. <laughs> I can't do it. I'm just going to buy a little bit. And now, obviously, anybody that's hearing this that has ever looked at the prices of that camera are just like, you are a moron. <laughs> yeah, the world is weeping um, right now. You, I know. You, you got the Leica for a really good price, though. Yeah. I did. Oh, so, yeah. So, so that, that did exist, right? Like, I still made an okay decision, and I, yeah. But I could have, yeah, mm. bought a... I know, it's rough. That's but rough. I think it might have been, like, legitimately... It might have been before my time. Like it was, uh -huh. it wasn't my oh. time to get it. And I, okay. I've come to, I wouldn't have appreciated it as much as it is at the time. 
So yeah. I understand, but it's another one of those like white whale cameras where both of those specifically have always just been like, I've wanted one for years and have just never, they've been on my eBay search list. <laughs> I've had like <laughs> yeah, alerts no, for game. them on different things and uh, they just keep going up in price uh, and I not know. down. So Aye. yeah, both of those are, are probably tied on the, uh, the white Legend. whale list. Legendary yeah. cameras. Yeah, yes. both very good ants, yeah. very good white They're whales to have. <laughs> well, Benj, this is this anything has else, been, Chris. I I feel this has been such a fun conversation. Like I said, I knew we we're gonna nerd out with you, <laughs> so and yeah, yeah, <laughs> we certainly have. So thank you. Where can everybody check out the website, the yeah. YouTube, Instagram? Where are you at all around? Yeah, um, you'll probably have to see how my name is spelled in like the show notes or something. Uh, <laughs> but I. I am Ben Heish, one word on every platform ever. Thankfully, no one probably in the world has that same name and goes by that nickname at least. So uh, if you want to find me on uh, Xbox Live, if I ever play <laughs> Xbox again or anything, basically, it will be the same username across every platform ever. Good to know. Um, good to know. So, so yeah, you can find me yeah on, on YouTube or Instagram or uh, yeah Twitter, wh- wherever you want to look, right? Amazing. Great. Timothy, where are you? Guys, I'm on Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, ew. Um, under <laughs> at Timothy Makeups. I also have some uh, YouTube uh, photography videos. Easiest way to find those. Just go to the search bar, type in Timothy Makeups. Also, timothymakeups.com. That's it for me. Chris, where are you? So I am Chris B. Photo on all of the things, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube. We are Analog Talk <laughs> Pod mm-hmm. on Twitter and Analog Talk Podcast on Instagram. And this was so fun. Ben, thank you so much for hanging out. So we fun. really appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. It was super fun. (laughs) All right, guys. We'll see you in the next one. Bye. All right. That's going to be it for this week's episode. First off, Chris and I would love to thank Benj for coming on the show. This was a long time coming. We're so glad to have you on. It was great getting to hear your story and to talk about weddings and and just photography and nerd out. It was just such a good time, Benj. Thanks so much for taking the time to hang out with us. We greatly appreciate it. We love your work and we can't wait to see what the future holds. Guys, that's going to take us to Patreon. Head over to patreon.com slash analog talk for only a buck. You can get the show two days early. We also have our Patreon-only development hang nights over there and a bunch of stuff in the archive. Like we say, Patreon is the best way to support the show. For the Patreons who already help support the show, guys, we do not know what we would do without you. Thank you so much. Again, patreon.com slash analog talk. All right, that's it. Another episode down. Benj, thanks again. You're the best. So until next week, we will see you with a new episode. Take care, keep shooting, and we'll see you soon. All right, later.